chapter 17. As we continue our study, uh, Theology 101, we're now in a section called Names of God. This will probably be our last study on the names of God, and then we're going to take a few weeks and look at some attributes of God. But it's so cool to get to know um, the Lord and to discover His names, because when you discover His names, you discover elements of His nature. He reveals Himself to you. You would never know who God is or how God is unless He reveals himself to you something he's done in the pages of scripture and something he's done within the names that we have the bible says the name of the lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are saved the name of the lord is a strong tower and what we need to do is we need to run to him and even run to his names and what we see today we're going to look at three different names el shaddai el elion and El Roi. We begin, first of all, here in Genesis 17 with El Shaddai. And it says in verse 1 that when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Abram's now 99 years old. If you remember, he was first called when he was 70. He was given some specific promises when he was 75. And when he was 75 years old, the Lord said to him, Man, through your lineage, Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants like the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you descendants like the sands of the sea. I'm going to give you all this land, Abraham. You can just look. It's all going to belong to you. And through your seed, I will bless the world. While he was 75 years old when God gave him that promise. And then 11 years went by and, you know, it it still hadn't happened. Now, 11 years is kind of a long time. And so what happened was him and his wife got together. And I think it was actually Sarah's idea. And she said, you know what? Go into my maidservant, Hagar. Let's help God out. Maybe that's the way that he wants to do it. And they totally fell out of the will of God. Abram slept with the maidservant. She conceived, and then that created turmoil. We're going to look at that later, as a matter of fact. But, you know, that's 75. Then you got 11 years. Now, what you go is all the way over to 99 years old. And I'll bet you almost anything, Abram thought, there's just no way. There's no way that it's going to happen now. A couple of things have gone wrong. Number one, God is just, is just waited too long. I don't know if he can. Now I'm 99. And probably the reason is, is because I've blown it. I've blown it. And so what happens? Now when he's 99 years old, it says the Lord appeared to him. And he appeared to him with an interesting introduction. You know, he just said, hey, I, I want you to know my name right off the bat. He says, it says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. In the Hebrew, the word is El Shaddai. And it speaks of God's power. It speaks of God's powerful provision. As a matter of fact, we know the word El is the Hebrew for God. And then the word Shaddai is an interesting word. It comes 
from a root word that means breast. And in the Hebrew, it refers to God completely nourishing, satisfying, and supplying his people with all their needs as a mother would her child. Connected with the word for God, this denotes a God who freely gives nourishment and blessing. He is our all-powerful sustainer. And when you look at the rise of Israel, you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this was the name that God really revealed himself to them as. As a matter of fact, if you go over to Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3, he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. He said, I appeared to them. This was the name that I revealed myself as, Al Shaddai. Because as God was raising up Israel and as God was establishing them in the land, they had to know who he was. Even though they went against so much resistance, God brought his will to pass. You know, when you read the Bible, it's kind of interesting. The very first book of the Bible is the book of Job. And this, you know, word Shaddai is found 38 times in the Bible, 20 times in the book of Job. And so here's the first book of the Bible, and it's all about, you know, Al Shaddai, the God Most High. Here's God revealing himself to the verse patriarchs of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think the message that God wants to communicate to us as believers is that the first and foremost and fundamental thing we have to know about God is that he is Almighty God. That he is God Almighty. That he is our sustainer, our, our satisfier, that he is all-powerful to provide everything we need in life. You know, when you look at this right here, it's not just a meditation, though, as far as who he is. It's a meditation and a contemplation of who he is for us. Because we really need to know that in life. Because maybe 11 years have gone by and you haven't seen the promises of God come to pass. Or maybe 24 years have gone by and you feel like you've blown it and it's over. And God says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 through 23, Paul the Apostle says, I pray, I pray, I pray you would know the power of God towards you. The power of God to wash away our sins. Like we were talking about earlier, the power of God to fulfill his promises. The power of God that as we walk in his power, he allows us to fulfill our destiny. And so when he appears to Abram, he said, you know, you got to know who I am in order for you to be who you need to be. You need to know that I'm Al Shaddai that I'm Almighty God. You know, later on in the same context, you know, in Genesis 18, 14, there's a question asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then in Jeremiah 32, 17, there's the answer, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. I might even add, there's no one too hard for you. It's kind of interesting when you read Jeremiah 32, it's the context of the children of Israel going off to captivity. They were going off to Babylon. They were going off to bondage. And God told Jeremiah to buy some land right there in Israel, to, to buy some land right there, right then. 
And, and, and you know, you might ask, why would God do that? God had taken them out of the land. God was, you know, disciplining them. They would never return. I mean, who's ever heard of a nation returning? But Jeremiah obeyed. And he bought the land by faith because God communicated to him that there's nothing too hard for him. And there's no one too hard for him. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're backslidden. You're, you're far. You're in Babylon. Maybe your loved one is. And God says, man, there's nothing too hard for me. There's no one too hard for me. I, I can bring them back. See, God is the God of all power. And like I said earlier, it's not just to see signs in the sky. It's to see signs in me. It's that I would be a different man. You know, I pray for my wife all the time. I pray, God, help her with this and God, help her with that and make her this type of woman and just bless her and just fill her days with joy and love. But I realize that as I'm praying for my wife, that her best hope of being that woman of God is if I would be the man of God. And so it's not just change her or change them. It's change me. And God can do that because he's El Shaddai. And we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, there's still more. God wants to do a great work in your marriage. God wants to do do a great work in your life as a parent, in the ministry. But it's not going to happen unless you access, unless you yield to the power of God until you really see who God is. Here we see in Genesis 17, God's word to Abram. And some commentators believe that it may have been his way of saying to Abram, stop trying to do it in your own wisdom and in your own strength. Because up to that point, maybe he was trying to. And he says, you got to know who I am. Do it with the Lord. You know, when you look at the context right here, it's real interesting to know. Look what it says in verse 2. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and the king shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. In verse 12, it says, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not in your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is brought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Now at 99 years old, there is going to be a new beginning. And you know, you might be here and you might think, well, you, maybe you bought into that lie, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yes, you can. 
And you know what? I heard that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to prove him wrong. And so I've been working on Chip lately, man. He's old in dog years. And some say, oh, you can't change it. Yes, you can. All it takes is some, you know, a little bit of ham and a little bit of filet mignon. And believe you me, man, you could change him. And uh, it's kind of cool how the Lord does in one sense, I don't know if dangles the right word, but he shows you what your life could be if you change. And it's like, that's what the Lord was just dealing with Abram. He says, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be the land and there's going to be the descendants and there's going to be the lineage through whom the Messiah would come. And what he ends up doing is he ends up making a covenant with Abraham. He, 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 he makes a commitment and, and, he, and he tells him that what you'll do is then as a sign of the covenant, there'll be the circumcision. And we know according to the New Testament, that's a cutting away of the flesh. You just take the flesh and you just kill it. One thing I'm learning about God is He's holier than you thought He was. There's some of you here, you just keep messing with sin. And you're abusing the grace of God and you're not recognizing how holy He is. Outbursts of wrath, petty divisions, backbiting, sexual sins, playing games with God. You don't realize how holy he is. And God says, listen, kill it. Cut away the flesh. That's part of our commitment to each other. And he tells Abram, and I give you a new name. No longer are you exalted, Father. That's not really a big deal. Now you're a father of many nations. And I'm telling you this right now, man. You can settle for Abram if you want to and die that way. Or you can move on to Abraham. And be what God really wants you to be. You know, I've been a Christian now for a long time, 20 years. And I was so encouraged the other day where Shelly told me, she said, you know what, I see something different in you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been married or how long you've been a Christian. Let your spouse see your progress in godliness. We can't ever give up on that, you guys. You see, this is the work that God wants to do. He is able to do it if we allow him that freedom to work in our life. You know, we have power for the journey. And that's what God is saying to Abram. I want you to know who I am. Number one, I'm Al Shaddai. It's a lesson in God's power for us. Secondly, we look at the name El Elyon. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 14, we read in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. When you look at the context here, what you find is that Lot had been taken into captivity, had taken as a a prisoner of war, a POW. And what had happened was Abram mustered up 300 of his servants and they went and in a courageous battle, uh, God gave him the victory to rescue Lot, who was really unworthy. 
But as they were done, uh, it's kind of cool. It says right here that Melchizedek, king of Salem, he brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. What happened was Jesus appeared to him. I really believe it was a theophany. It was a Christophany. It was God. There's the bread. There's the wine. Symbolic of communion. Symbolic of the cross. We know that Hebrews tells us that Jesus was a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And this Melchizedek, it says, had no father, no mother, no genealogy. It was none other than Jesus coming. And it says right here, he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and he said, blessed be Abram, notice, of God Most High. And another lesson that I think is very important for us to learn, something that Abram learned in his life as well, not only is God El Shaddai, speaking of God's power, he's also El Elyon, speaking of God's position. That when you look at the universe and everything that's there in the cosmos and eternity that way and infinity that way, that when you look at the throne of all this place, you realize that God is the God Most High. This is a title that occurs 28 times in the Bible, 19 times in the Psalms. Why? Because when you're down, you need to know how high God is. You know, it's a word that speaks of his highest preeminence. And I guess one of the things that I just want to encourage you in is not just to see, oh, okay, he has that position in the universe, but to, 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 to just allow him to have that position in your heart. That on your heart, that is the priorities of life, that he would be the God most high. Then you see his power and you see his position. And it is appropriate to let him rule over your life. You know, you can't serve two gods. You can try. But ultimately, it's going to be either you or him. You know, because for a while, I think we can. For a while, you know, as time goes on, you know, here I am and here God is and we're kind of both on the throne. But then eventually something happens where he's calling me to do something I don't want to do. And it's at that point I find out who's most high. Or there you are and you're living your life and you're trying to please somebody. Maybe it's some man that you put up on a pedestal or maybe some woman. And deep down inside, you know that you have her, him, as your God. And then one day there's a conflict between what God wants you to do and what they want you to do. And then you find out who is most high. Sometimes it's a boyfriend, sometimes it's a girlfriend. It could be your kids. It could be so many different things. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other You cannot serve God and mammon. And there are a lot of people, man, it's all about money. It's all about materialism. Their whole life revolves. Everything they do, their work, their schedule, everything is about money. And God says, you know, you you can't. Because one day there will be a conflict of commands. You know, Elijah said the same thing to the people of God as they were trying to kind of be, you know, tolerant of different religions and they were kind of trying to serve too. 
He said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. But don't think that you can be lukewarm and straddle the fence and please God. You see, he's most high in the universe, and therefore he should be most high in my heart. You know, I just don't understand it. When sometimes the commands of God are so clear, and Christians have the audacity to blatantly disobey. I mean, I guess he's not the God most high in your life. You see, we have to allow him to be first. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, and all these things will be added unto you. The Bible says the first commandment of all is to love God and then your neighbor as yourself. You see, we see God as El Shaddai, Almighty God, His power. We see Him as El Elyon, His position in the universe, hopefully His position in our hearts, God Most High. You know, Daniel talks a lot about God Most High. You know, Obama's not Most High. You may think he is, wherever these people are. Daniel is all about the Most High God over all the nations. He's in control even of your life. Maybe you're here today and you're afraid of whatever it is you know, that's going on. You're in the boat and Jesus is sleeping and there's a crazy storm going on. You know, And you're wondering, Lord, what's going to happen? Remember, man, the safest place in life is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of Jesus. And God Most High, He's with you. Which brings us to our last point, and that is El Roy. You know, you look at that from the Hebrew, and you're like, "Hey, is God's name Elroy?" And it looks like it a little bit, you know. But no, it's El Roy, and that means that He's the God who sees. Because here it says in Genesis 16, it says in verse 13, and then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And I know we kind of picked it up in the middle of the story, but uh, I know uh, some of you are familiar with it. What had happened again was that Hagar had conceived um, with Abraham's help. <laughs> with Sarah's help. And, uh, and, you know, it was a big mess. It was a big mess what took place there, heartache. And uh, eventually, you know, she kind of got a little puffed up. And so, you know, sometimes women can get that way. And so she kicks her out. And the next thing you know, she's out there in the middle of the desert. And she pretty much thinks, it's over. I'm going to die. But what ends up happening? God comes and God directs her. And God per- protects her and her son, how God takes care of them. And when she saw what happened and how the Lord was the one that had appeared to her, she named him the name. This is the only time we see it in the Bible. She said there in verse 13, you are the God who sees. In the Hebrew, it is El Roi. And it's just a beautiful place for us to close today. And it's a fearful place, to be honest with you, man. Because, you know, a lot of times we think that God doesn't see our sin. And so we keep doing it. And God does see. 
The Bible says there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And you know, a lot of times people are involved in secret sins and God sees. God sees his sin. It's a beautiful thing to know that he sees, but it's also a fearful thing. But that's the God that we serve. The Bible says in Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. You know, in John chapter 2, there was a time when everybody was kind of believing in him But the Bible says that Jesus didn't commit himself to them. Why? Because he knew all men and he knew what was in their heart. See, the eyes of God, and if you read the book of Revelation, they're like flames of fire. And they search through everything that we are and they find out what's really going on. And that's why it is imperative that we are real, that we are surrendered to God. He sees within, he sees our sin, and he sees the pain that we're in. And that's really the uh, the context of this name when it was revealed here to us in the book of Genesis chapter 16. And I think it's a cool place to close because one thing's for sure, whenever you have a study, man, and whenever you have a congregation You know, I mean, you know, there doesn't have to be a lot of people there, but you can almost always be assured that there is somebody here that is dying inside. There is somebody here that's hurting and they feel just um, like they want to give up sometimes or they feel like they're so far or they feel like there's no hope. And it's at that time that you need to drink from the well of the living God who sees. Because it's so cool right here. It says there in verse 14, therefore the well was called Beer Lahoi Roi, and that means literally the well of the one who lives and sees. And he sees you. He sees exactly what's going on. And, and I know that you wish that it was now, you know, and that the trial would be over now. But he's got his eye on you and he's got his hand on the thermostat and it's not going to get too hot. He's going he's to save the day. He's going to change the situation in his perfect timing. But in the meantime, what he's wanting to do is to change you. And he's got his eyes on you. And he's watching over you. You see, God saw the condition and the situation of Hagar And he directed her and he protected her so much so that she said, wow, you're the God who really does see me. And that's a beautiful expression of the heart. I think God gets blessed when his children know that he is watching over them in such a personal fashion. You know, it's kind of interesting when you look at this well right here, It encouraged her and it encouraged generations after her. You trace this well through the Bible and what you find is that individuals who were going through hard times would find themselves there at that well. When Isaac's mom died, he was there at the well, the well of the living one, the living God who sees. And later on when he got married, he was at the well 
when his wife came to him. And so I just want to encourage you guys today, you know, don't be like Israel. They said, oh, my way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over. No, not at all, man. His eye is on the sparrow and he's watching over you. And you watch what happens as you let that penetrate your heart and as you let that sink in. You drink from the well and you're going to be well. I I promise you, man. (laughs) God is so good. You know, the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, that you're the apple of his eye. And you may think, well, no, not me. I'm pretty bad and I've messed up and, and, and this and that. And I'm sorry, man. He's, you're the apple of his eye. And so what does it say? Psalm 17, 8, Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye. Lord, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Isn't it so cool, you guys, learning the names of God? I think we've only been over like seven or 17. I'm not sure how many names we've been over. But I know I've been blessed in learning a little bit more about God and studying his different names. And I want to encourage you, man, to continue to learn who he is and to continue to learn who you are in him and run to him because he's everything you need. Like I shared earlier, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and they're saved. (sighs) Lord, I know you're our only hope. We see the world that we live in, Lord, and it's just hurting, so messed up. And in many ways, it's, it's our fault, Lord. As a church, I think that we have, um, we run everywhere else. We run to those uh, broken cisterns that can't hold any water. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to run to you. I pray, Lord, that you bless every man here, every young man every older man, that every man here would cut away the flesh and make a covenant to be a man of integrity. And Lord, I pray for every single woman here, every single sister here, that today, Lord, there would be that renewal, that commitment to be a woman of valor, virtuous, gentle, and obedient. Lord, we do thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We worship you, we praise you, and we ask that you make us who you want us to be. Thank you so much for being such an awesome God. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.